To the Gotham Chronicle podcast powered by the BatmanUniverse.net, where you can listen to many other great Batman podcasts. I'm Josh, and joining me is Stella. Stella, yep, that's Stella. And Don cannot be with us this week because he has to prepare um, his resume. He's trying to join a new financial firm, and uh, I don't know, I hear that their hiring process is very, very rigorous. Um, some people don't make it out alive, so. Yeah. We, sh- we should mean, see him next week. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I'm hoping that uh, he'll be able to get the drop on someone and, and maybe use a paper cutter arm or something. This episode is called The Mask, and it's based upon you know what's happening to Don in real life. Yep. Uh, there's a financial firm from – he's not Roman Sionis this time. He's like, what, Raymond Sionis or something? I didn't catch it. I just knew that it was, well, Sionis. So there's a there's a fight club, uh, very very rigorous, but it's Gotham, and Jim Gordon and Bullock are trying to stop it. And along the way, Jim is having some anger issues due the you know um, the events of last week's episode, and he's trying to get over the fact that not all the cops had his back and. Mm-hmm. You know, he's being a little cocky, half gun, and his fiance Barbara, is having a little bit of PTSD going on. She doesn't like being alone. And now that Penguin's out in the open, he is adjusting to his new relationship with Fish. They play a little cat and mouse, and then Penguin kidnaps one of Fish's, you know, men, um, his replacement, in fact, to try and get some information out of him. And in the meantime, Fish is checking in on her little weapon, Liza, but Liza's starting to have some second thoughts. So Fish does a little killing joke, multiple choice origins. Uh, Bruce goes to school and does not have a good time there. So Alfred takes him to Tommy Elliott's house to beat him up. So it's episode, I think, eight of Gotham, and we already have Batman versus Hush, round one. Yep. So there's that. And Selina Kyle, uh, not so tricky of a cat burglar this time. She is caught, and that is our cliffhanger. So that's this week's Gotham. So, Stella, um, coming from last week's, mm-hmm. you know, explosive episode, how do you feel about this? Yeah, explosive. Well, they raised the bar so high that it was almost impossible, perhaps, to top it. And I think because they had raised it in episode six, which we really liked, um, and then we were shocked by seven. Then I thought, well, it's possible that eight is going to be better. But in this case, I I don't think it it attained the same standards. It, it's sort of like we hit the climax, and now we're in the falling action, and things are uh, you know starting to get wrapped up or or just you know progressing along. So not as exciting as the previous episode. I think that there were some good moments dotted throughout, which I'm sure we're going to talk about. Um, but but I'd say the the main the main focus certainly was, I think, uh, Gordon in, in this particular episode, just everything surrounding him. And then, you know, at the very end, he finally had his backup. And, and it was Sarah Essen, of all people, which I actually really loved that she was the first person to say, I'll take someone. I and ship that, them. Uh, that's a weird ship, to be honest. I mean, I Okay, Miss Trini comics. and Billy. That's because it's a real thing. But um, I ship them in the comics, but this, no, I don't see any romance whatsoever. But, uh, yeah, just, I don't know, some, some interesting things. I think the Barbara, whatever her name is. I was about Keen. to say. Yeah, thank you. The Barbara Keene was a little strange, a little bit, a little bit. And then she left, so who knows what that means. But just overall, not as solid of an episode. Um, I saw this one at home because I've had a really crazy week, and um, I could have gone to the gym, but um, bad me. I didn't have the energy to go. And this is when Stella is, like, tisk-tisking and all the personal trainers who listen, like, you know, you should go even when you don't have the energy to go. But So I watched the episode, and I was – I don't want to say not looking forward to this episode, but I was very, very much – I had low expectations of it coming off of last week because I wasn't looking forward to going back to the case of the week format. And um, just – I did not like the promo where it showed uh, Fish putting that you know brooch needle into 
Oswald's arm. I was like, okay, this is going to be business as usual and wheel spinning. Um, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Not to say that it was bad, but, you know, like I was expecting, you know, something average and something a little, you know, kind of run of the mill. And this did have some moments that I liked and some character development that I like. And I liked that we did deal with some consequences of the previous week. But overall, uh, you know, this wasn't the Penguin's umbrella, but I guess that's okay. Which, by the way, Stella, um, Robin Lord Taylor did an interview. I think it was for E! where he um, he gets the scripts week by week. So when he got the script for Penguin's umbrella, he had the same reaction that the audience did. He did not know it was coming, and he said that he threw his script against the wall and said, no way, when he got to those last pages. That's awesome that they're kind of keeping it from them, which is something I think they do for like Game of Thrones and, and um, Walking Dead as well to a certain extent. So I think it's just good because you give the actors the script and they do have preparation time, but I think if they're just as shocked, then it, it just plays more to life that, you know, they were shocked in real life and then they're shocked. Uh, it plays up, I think, in their role. Yeah, and um, there's there was an interview I read somewhere with Aaron Richards who plays Barbicane where she said something similar that she doesn't want to know what's going to happen and she told the producers, like, not to tell her. She'd rather, like, play it beat by week by week so that way when Barbara's surprised, she can like be surprised too legitimately. As if her character is so huge that she's going to have a bunch of surprises. Well, I guess we can talk about her right now, you know, going into the character by character, plot line by plot line. Barbara and her PTSD uh, this episode. Now, when she picked up the phone after like Jim hung up on her, I thought she was going to call Renee and we were going to have like a Piper and Alex go to the chapel moment, maybe. Oh, my gosh. I, I don't know. You know, where's Barbara going to run to when like yeah. Jim's not there? May, maybe that's where Barbara's going with her suitcase, which unless she's leaving Gotham, I did not see the point of Barbara packing a suitcase and leaving the apartment because that is her apartment. Yeah. Um, the pilot establishes that Jim doesn't live there. So I thought that her leaving was kind of weird, but maybe she goes I, to Chicago. Isn't that where she goes in the comics? When she goes separate? to Chicago. Yeah. But she has to have, she has to have Batgirl and James Jr. And Tony. Yeah. I don't know where she's gone. I mean, I think she's taken some time off because it seems like even though I think to a certain extent it's really dramatic, like her getting PTSD, I think to a certain extent you would be a little freaked out. But I mean, I don't know. And, and then I'm about to say like, I mean, she was just kidnapped. But but I mean, I don't know. It, it just seems like it could have been a lot worse. And Jim is there with her. And it's not like anyone broke. Actually, they did, I guess, break into her apartment, didn't they, to get her? Is that where they were sitting with her, or were they uh... – Well, for, first they were in her apartment at the beginning, yeah. and that, yeah. guy, that guy was going to um, violate her before right, Jim right, came. Right. He's yeah, like, you're right. Um, and when, when she's with Mr. Zaz having muffins with Liza, right. um, Falcone makes that comment. We had to rough her up a little bit just to right. make sure that she didn't know anything. So Yeah, so maybe maybe it is terrible of me to say that it's dramatic um <laughs> but I, I just i guess it, it didn't really feel real to me it, it didn't I, I don't know if it was the actress not like pulling it off but but clearly despite all of that clearly she really wanted jim to be with her at that moment and i think she really expected him to be there and i think perhaps he should have though he was dealing with his own stuff uh, that didn't really relate to it but you know, she even says the fault of all of it is that she said I was going to share your life with you and whatever it came. But obviously she can't handle it. So I don't think she's gone forever, but I feel like she's going to take a break from the action of what's going on and kind of get her head together. I actually had kind of the opposite reaction of you with her PTSD. Um, I liked it because one of one thing that I hate in a lot of television shows and that will turn me off of a show or a comic is – if something happens to a character and they don't react emotionally to it the way that they should, like they don't give a situation the emotional gravity. Like if somebody, you know, like is just traumatized, like at the end of The Dark Knight, for example, when James Gordon Jr., you know, he's like he's being held at gunpoint by Harvey Dent and like he's crying and he thinks he's going to die. And then all of a sudden, like three minutes later, he's like a happy little like 10 year old like, hey, Batman, are you OK? Like, you know, just um, I like it when people don't emotionally rebound right away because that's a little more realistic. So 
when it happened in the episode, I was like, you know what? Yeah, she would be like this because she was kidnapped by Zaz and tortured and that other guy. So, and I was kind of a little, first of all, I was a little amused that she was leaving her own apartment, but I was also kind of like, you know, why are you leaving Jim? Like he just didn't pick up the phone at work. You know, he was working like that happens to people all the time. Like I can't talk now I'm at work, but I don't think it's that. I think it's just because of what happens. She needed, like someone there right now and it's not like i'm mad at you because you didn't pick up the phone it was she's just very emotionally needy right now and she's realizing that um she thought she could handle the danger and being a part of his life but like this zaz thing and falcone thing it's just too much for her and like she's going back on what she said which you know it's, it's not her fault but like she can't emotionally be around and be a part of it so she's fleeing Maybe to Renee Montoya, maybe to Dustin. Who knows? But uh, do you really think Renee Montoya? Um, that plotline's got to go somewhere. Do you, Do you think that it's over? That it's like resolved? I I don't know. I mean, Renee apologized to Jim, and Renee still Babs, has feelings, though. Well, I know that, but also Babs, she didn't lean in for the kiss. Remember, she was just kind of this. I don't know, third-party individual that was accepting the kiss. But I, I just feel like, I don't know, with everything going on, it, it, uh, I don't know. I, I don't think I would like it, but I guess I can see your train of thought where it makes sense that you're you're upset with the one person, so you go to, to seek emotional uh, It's not even it. like an, an upset thing, but like, you know, just – she needs to be held. She yes, needs to yeah. be comforted. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, so going from one, you know, Gordon family member reaction to another, like we saw how Barbara handled this by being all, you know, going through PTSD. And Jim's reaction was to kind of lash out and be more impulsive. Like when he was interrogating, you know, um, uh, Sionis, Cy- um, he just like, th- there was no foreplay, you know, pardon the metaphor. And, and, but there was no foreplay in his interrogation. He immediately said, you're the killer. Admit it. You did this. You did this. You did this. And usually, you know, he's a little more methodical about it. But it's just like, you know, Bullock in like the Arkham episode or yeah. something. Like, we got witnesses. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did look up uh, Sionis. It was Richard Sionis. So okay. it wasn't Roman, but it was another R. I don't know if he's related somehow to um, the man we will know to become uh, the Black Mask. But I was super excited to see someone like that in here. Mm-hmm. I think that, like I said at the beginning, we were talking about overall thoughts. I think this was the main plot, really, and it was really the one that I was most captivated by. I really got into it. I, I really felt, yes, so I, I, this was the one that I was most captivated by, and I felt emotionally drawn to it, and, and I felt like it was more realistic than the Babs one, or at least realistic in the sense that, you know, I could really feel like, yeah, this makes sense. Uh, yeah, I think it's totally plausible that obviously, you know, he was in this terribly vulnerable spot and he was in the middle of a police station. He expected to have the backs of his fellow police people. And I think even though he may have doubted it slightly because he knows not that, you know, there is some corruption without within, I feel like he didn't expect that entire like everyone's leaving, you know, especially Sarah Essen was really the starting point. But he told her to leave, of course. And so... Now, I, I just think his interaction with Alvarez was pretty telling, just like, yeah, well, this is what you did. So he he completely, like, is screwing people over because he was screwed over. And uh, I, I love just that he was he was super intense, and, and perhaps it relates back to his, his war days, if you think about it, because I, I think about the, the movie um, The Lone Survivor and just how wonderful that was and the fact that, you know, it's this family that's fighting together and certainly leave no man behind and do everything that they can uh, to save as many as they can. And I think hopefully if we get to know Gordon a little bit more in his war experience, that that was his experience and he understood what a brotherhood was through his military experience. And perhaps he was expecting that in law enforcement, but it's completely opposite. And I think perhaps, you know, he's just brokenhearted to a certain extent of that. And, and his rage is just coming through because this is not what he expected it to be. And he's disappointed. But but I loved this. I thought that this was a great, and I think a a great villain to pit him up against. Yeah, and I liked um, his interaction in the police station, and just like he's arresting informants, and he doesn't care. And the guy's like, you know, what the heck? You know, you're not playing the game the right way. And 
he, you know, in the past, Gordon would probably be a little more patient and, you know, kind of pretend to play the game a little bit while trying to undermine the police at the same time. But here he's just uh, not taking any names. And I loved Essen's regret. But, you know, I keep on remembering, well, Gordon, you told her to leave. But um, I kind but of she meant- could have said, no, I'm going to stick here. So. I, I, I mentioned it last week and I said it at the beginning of the episode, but like from here on out, you know, I am a loud and proud uh, Essen Gordon shipper and this episode solidified it for me. So I'm, yeah, I don't know about it. It's just, <laughs> I, I, I love the character and I know how much you love her. I really loved her in no man's land, which is really when I first experienced her character. And of course that's super tragic at the end with everything, but I just don't get a good romantic sense from these two, and I feel like their age is really disparate. I mean, how is their age in the comics? Wasn't it closer? She was younger than him, I believe. Okay. And in this case... Um, from what I remember younger. in year one. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I, I guess I just... I don't see it right Do we know that she's older? Have they said that? Don't you think she looks older? Well, I mean, she's got more I think it's because she's so. his superior. Like, yeah. maybe it's like that, but... Yeah, she does. she does seem older. Um, an age difference, an age difference. Um, but Bullock rallying the cops, I liked. Um, I do kind of wish that maybe we would have had some more of the fallout between Gordon and Bullock because, you know, even though he was on his side last episode, when things calmed down, you know, would he be wondering, you know, you broke my trust or whatever? Like, you know, Bullock is just all of a sudden. Um, on Gordon's side, you know, through thick and thin, which, which is what I want. But I wish that I wish that that final destination would have been earned a little more. Well, it was trial by fire last episode, though. It was trial by fire. But, you know, like I said, now that things have calmed down, you know, it, would Bullock be more bothered by like, you know, you lied to me about Oswald Cobblepot or how come you didn't tell me from the beginning or – but we did we did already have that scene with him punching him in the locker room. Did we need another one? Like that's the question. Would it have been redundant? That that's what I'm kind of struggling with. I got gotcha. you. I don't know, but uh, what do you think of his rallying speech to the cops, calling him an asshat? Yeah, I I loved it. I I just it's something you certainly were not expecting if you think about episode one and and just the relationship at that point. And um, just to see that it develop, because I th- I think that it's been a nice development, and and I always wanted Bullock to be on Gordon's side, so that's really I ship those two, not in Ooh. a not in a slash sort of way, but I, I just ship them, you know, brothers kind of familial. Bolden. Okay, um, I I got gotcha, you. I understand. Uh, yeah. So just to see that. You know, I, I think really it was a trial by fire that they were going in. You know, he had his prostitute. So it was just like, we're going to die mm-hmm. with this. And I think uh, just it was great that he sided with him. And I, I think that really cemented to them. Not to say that, you know, I, I think they're not 100%. I, I can see they're going to butt heads in the future, which they did later on in this episode when he tells them that um, Sionis was right, that there is something, you know, there within Gordon. But uh but I love that he stuck up for him and, and said, You guys need to get it together and yeah. So it was great calling him which is funny because you'd think like pot ke- calling the kettle black, right? Because yeah. because Bullock certainly is doing that sort of stuff too. But I think to hear that rallying cry from someone like Bullock and then Essen being the first person to say, Give me one, that's when people really started stepping up. So I think Essen that was like the perfect character moment for Respect. her to, to step up. Yeah. Respect. Um, and what do you think about what, you know, Sionis told Gordon, you know, about like because of him being in the war, he like he has that killer instinct or something. Did that? I well, mean, this to- is this is something we've we've heard before because we heard it in the. She's just said, you know, there's a little danger in your eyes, you know? So mm-hmm. I think in a different way, he's seen something. And I think that's true. I think that there is something. Um, I mean, war, obviously, it changes people, you know, to a certain. I, I don't think that Gordon's a terrible person or anything. But I, I think he's seen things that you can't come back from. And so he is different from Gordon pre-war. Um, but just how I perhaps uh, I hope we really I, I think it's time that we start investigating what his war 
background and history is like because now now there's just so much going on that you just wonder like did he go over the edge what was his relationship like with his fellow troops things like that so now is the time now is the time to investigate that we could have a lost style flashback uh we could perhaps we'll look in his eyes and a dog will come up and lick him vincent yes vincent poor vincent so black mask and his law firm or financial firm fight club uh what what did we think of this gimmick i feel like i've seen something like this before where in fight club i don't think i i don't know if i could relate it as much to fight club because they're all fighting for this position so i i don't know i feel like i have Apart from Fight Club, if that's you know the 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 connection we want to make, I feel like there is something that I have seen before that they are fighting uh, in order to to get to the top, and it's all like related to some Hunger sort games. of corporation. Um, yeah, but to get to a position, that's to live. This is yeah. to, like get into a court. I think. Well, people was, die in this. Like they do. Yeah. At first, I I was trying to figure out. I had to rewind the first fight. Because when he when the first when when one of the guys hits with the um, or swings rather with uh, the arm of the paper cutter and you see the spray, I'm like, oh my gosh, is that pink mist? But then you realize it was the toner. But I had to like rewind it to because you see it explode, and I'm like, oh my goodness, how is that other guy still standing? Uh, well, I guess I mean they say that the corporate world is you know dog eat dog, so they certainly made it. I I think it was an interesting concept certainly uh just you know that people really want this and they want it so badly that they will kill for it i think once we got to the end of it and the entire firm knows about it and they're like watching it like it was prime time fight that's I what think, surprised me yeah, that like yeah. that, that you'd have like the the like firm like because i think that they even did that at the beginning too I didn't. I didn't see. I was trying to remember if I could see them. I know that we saw the guy with the mask, which we didn't know who it was at the time watching. But I don't know if I saw other people. But I was just shocked to know that. Okay, everyone at the firm knows what's going on, and they are one hundred percent okay with it. And then cheering on, you know, what's going on? I, at first, I was trying to figure out like, what are they cheering? Are they cheering for the cop? Are they cheering for someone to get the cop? It was so weird. But to, just to think that all of those people are terrible people. Um, I kind of wish there was like one good person. It's trying to stop. I know, but that's like my goodness, going from one extreme to the other. One thing I like about this show is, um, even though I'm not too crazy about the whole like villain of the week format, is um, it's visually interesting, like how like some of these villain of the week do their thing, like you know, Balloon Man. Like you know, that was kind of an interesting visual. The people being dragged off by balloons, like stuff like that. And and this, like this office fight club, you know, it was an interesting creative thing for the show. And um I could imagine something like this something like this would not work in a city like, you know, Miami or Boston or something, but like a city like Gotham where there legitimately is that much corruption and greed and like desperation to like survive and get rich. Uh-huh. I, I I could see this working in Gotham more than I could like Keystone City or okay. something. Uh-huh. Um, if Don hadn't read the synopsis last week about what this was going to be, I would have been really confused about the beginning of the episode. Because as it is, that first scene out of context was really confusing. So knowing kind of what the gimmick was uh, did help me going in. Uh, I didn't have a lot of thoughts about Black Mask. I mean, he he might as well have not been Black Mask. You could have called him, you know, uh, King Shark or, you know, Victor Freeze, and it would have made a difference. Yep. Uh, But, you know, he did his... He did his thing. It was... I I did like the moment when Gordon, you know, is telling the guys, listen, you haven't done anything illegal yet, you know? Uh I don't have to arrest you. You can still go. And then uh, Black Mask says million dollars to the winner and Gordon's like yeah ah crud yep (laughs) i um let's see what was i gonna say oh it when i was watching this it very much reminded me for whatever reason of uh batgirl to dare the darkness that little book i was reading i thought of that too it's like oh (laughs) it's just like stella's book like they have to prove and, and in both cases it's well it's not barbara gordon but it's barbara wilson but it's like 
it's her dad from another universe, like trying to like prove that Raymond Sionis is a bad guy too. Yep. Yeah. Yep. It's Dare to Darkness. And you finished that recently, didn't you? In I like did, a mega sized yeah. episode. What do you think about, because I, I feel like it connects to what we're talking about, just about Gotham being this kind of seedy place, the and end conversation between Essen and Gordon about like, why is everything happening now? Do you want to talk about that now? Cause it kind of relates. That's, that's interesting. And I mean, the easy answer for that is why is everything happening now? Because you know, the show just started eight seconds ago. So obviously, you know, we weren't going to have balloon man and, um, uh, you know, black mask and, uh, you know, the orphan kidnappers attack, you know, six months before the pilot. So, like, you know, that that's the easy answer. But I guess, like, it is showing how important the Waynes were to right, yep. the balance, which which is kind of a reoccurring theme that, you know, Falcone and Maroney said, like, killing the Waynes is something that you just don't do. It creates chaos, which it, it makes me wonder if they're, so, if they're that important to the grand scheme of things, you know, why were they killed in the first place? Like, who would have to benefit by it? So it does... It does raise the question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I liked it. I liked the thought that because I thought it was a good question when it happened. I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, I wonder. And then to hear that, well, it, it, it started ever since the Wayne. So so I think there is some sort of power vacuum, which really makes sense, just that they were not necessarily controlling everything. But I think as they were just this beacon of hope potentially for the city and, and had their fingers in a lot of different things, that once they were gone, now everyone can sort of – seep in and and try to <laughs> they they, 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 they kept things in check too yeah 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 yep they um i mean i guess falcone would only move so far because he knew that like the waynes would you know not let him manipulate their company a certain way and with falcone in check maroney was kind of in check and i don't know i'm, I'm still kind of learning the power infrastructure and that was the interesting thing about viper is we saw a little bit of you know what made Wayne Enterprises work. And we see now that like without the Waynes there to keep that in check, you know, they're being a little evil. We still have that one woman who was following, uh, was she following Gordon? No, she was following Bruce. She was following Bruce. So just like okay. Selena Kyle, everyone's yep. following him. It's kind of like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, I think, to a certain extent, because um, there are just always these little clans kind of that are around. Like you've got the Purple Dragons and you have other sects. And, of course, you do have Shredder and and, um, the Foot. And with all these little ones trying to go around, the Shredder's always trying to take them over. And I think there's just always a power play between them. And I certainly see that just we've got we've got Don Falcone, Don Moroni, and then Fish, and then just trying to be the big boss. So I just kind of see lots of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. This could be a good crossover. <gasps> maybe <laughs> they did Bruce crossover with Power Rangers. Turtle Soup. Maybe uh, <gasps> He dines on Turtle Soup Maybe tonight. Alfred will, yeah, make some Turtle Soup for him. So I'm thinking about this and about your question and the Wayne's thing and how like it it has thrown everything in the chaos and who would benefit most from the chaos. So now I'm wondering uh now obviously Robin Lord Taylor might not have been, you know, the shooter, but if Rob, but if Penguin what even if he wasn't the shooter, if he had a direct hand in getting the Wayne's murdered, that way he could throw everything in the chaos and start his takeover bid. That Penguin had a hand in the the murder? Yeah. Oh, man, if that's revealed, that'd be terrible. I mean, I I love Penguin, and I understand that he's a terrible person, <laughs> but uh, I that would yeah. be like that would be me almost like washing my hands of Penguin and not loving him well, as much. So I hope it's somebody else. Well, and it would be an interesting relationship moment for him and Jim Gordon because they are kind of uneasy allies right now. Yeah. And for if Gordon found out that it was Penguin all along, that might push him over the edge. It was funny because um, my brother just got a job as a dishwasher. Ooh. And um, um, we were driving him to his job today, and um, the kid who I dr- take home from school who watches Gotham with me, we were like snickering at each other as we were driving Joseph to the place. Like, oh, Penguin was a dishwasher. I said, you could get promoted fast just like he did. Said, how did Penguin get promoted? I said, well, he faked a robbery and had everyone shot, but he's restaurant manager now. <gasps> Is he really? No, Penguin. Oh, I thought your brother. I'm like, what happened? <laughs> he's the Penguin. He had I... the wing skill. Interesting. That's interesting. So, 
So you were talking about Bruce, and I guess that that would be a good transition into um, Bruce Wayne goes back to school. Uh-huh. And um, he has his first battle with Hush. You know, it took about um, 60-something, 70-something years in the comic, but, you know, in the Gotham show, it he has his first battle with Hush eight episodes in, I guess. Yeah, I don't like it. I, I mean, I'm being facetious. Obviously, this isn't like a Batman and Hush battle, but y- yeah. you you didn't like it. Am I the take that? I yeah. Um, I love the Hush story. Uh, and Heart of Hush, which I also very much liked. And I think the crucial thing about that is that there is with quotes, a good relationship between the two of them. I don't know if that's going to happen after this. But just the fact that, I mean, he is really, uh, Tommy is very enamored with Bruce and almost, you know, jealousy almost and like uh, almost wanting to emulate him. But they have a good relationship. And uh, I don't know. Now now I feel like it's just a bummer because we could have created an even like a creepy guy that it's a slow build. And, and you only see – since they're kids, you only see a little bit of, of the man he could become. But he's just outright a bully. And at the first like conversation, you know, he's talking about, oh, your parents are dead. I thought this could work because he always – I mean that's one of his things that he was jealous that – Bruce's parents were dead to a certain extent, and and that's kind of what started everything. But after that, just I thought, no, this is like way too much. And and I think realistically, hopefully, no kid would do this to someone who just lost his parents. So I was upset. It, it just doesn't seem like the the Tommy Elliot. I think that he should be. Yeah, I also feel like they should be friends, but like, you know, I also feel like Sarah Essen should be. Um, you and Sarah like, Essen. Well, no, I mean, like that she shouldn't be corrupt, you know, like oh, oh, stuff yeah. like that, and that you know, Poison Ivy should be Pamela Isley. So, uh-huh. it's they're already doing little changes. So, like at this point, I'm kind of rolling with the change. But yet, yeah, he did feel off to me. But I guess they needed a bully character for school, and instead of making up a classmate, they decided to you know like go with who one of his actual classmates was. Uh huh. Um. But yeah, I mean, I I was texting Don and he's and I said, "Oh, Tommy Elliot." He said, "Yeah, Tommy Elliot in name only." Yeah. And I was like, "Oh, yeah, I kind of see." And uh lose your train of thought? No, I'm not losing my train of thought. I'm trying to mentally prepare myself for um this next part of the discussion because Is it Something about it, to happen. Something's about to happen. Is um, this where I call it quits? This is where you call it quits. This is this is the controversy here. Um, I don't know. It depends on what you think. Okay. Alfred. <laughs> Alfred. 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 Oh gosh. Al. Oh. Uh huh. Are you gonna spit it out? Or are you okay? Do you need to shift on the beanbag again? <laughs> I mean, what's gonna help you spit it out? <laughs> Just it's so fresh. Okay, Alfred, the ultimate enabler, drives Bruce to this house. Uh-huh. And has him like beat the kid up, yeah. And then like stop. It's <sighs> um, was that okay with you? Um, I was pretty shocked. So I went to my refrigerator. I got a bottle of Jim Beam, and I drank the whole thing. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I don't even think you put it in a refrigerator. You should probably just put it in a pantry. I don't think you refrigerate things like. Are you okay? Are you laughing? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, this is like the most awake I've ever been for one of these podcasts. After actually, I know I love it. Um, I, we should kick Don off more often. Oh my gosh, no, that's terrible. <laughs> uh, okay, here's the thing: when he was giving his watch, I thought, "Oh, this is like an encouraging, like it's a symbol of his father's strength that he's going to be with him and he's going to talk to him." I I honestly thought that he was just going to talk to him. So when he took it and put it on like a, a a pair of brass knuckles and started beating that kid down and him saying like, that's what, you know, I let him do that. I let him come. And I was like, what is going on? I think there's a certain extent uh, that we can allow, like being prepared to fight bullies and, and protect yourself, which is what I thought when I saw the but promo. But that's not defending yourself against oh, a bully. I oh, I know. I know. Th- that's what I'm saying. Because the promo, I think, led us astray because you just see Bruce say, can you teach me how to fight? 
And I think if they would have done that and then, like, he protects himself, I would have been completely okay. But he just does it out of nowhere. And to a certain extent, it's unprovoked. But that is vengeance. That is taking revenge. Yes. And it's, uh, it's I don't know. It's super – I didn't like mm. Bruce doing it because I think there is probably a better way of doing this because, my goodness, that that's really getting to the Batman character where – Sometimes he gets out of control and he's really beating down on the Joker, especially in Hush, too, which is interesting. But to have Alfred, this father figure that has been trying to give him nourishment, tell him to be like other kids and to say, like, that this is okay, Yeah, it did bother me. I have some problems with Alfred in this show. I don't hate Alfred in this show, but there are certain things that he does, like, you know, when Bruce is physically hurting himself and he just saw his parents, you know – murdered before his eyes and alfred does not take him to a psychiatrist because bruce has to pick his own path like i don't like those moments and i don't like this moment you know the alfred and bruce relationship i want to see is the one who you know sits down with him at the end of i think it was viper to like look through the files with him or whatever episode that was like little moments like that where they smile at each other this was you know like you said if he would have taught him how to defend himself like you know next time tommy elliott comes at you do this move or do this move this was you don't show up at the guy's house and beat him up. You learn how to fight so he you can defend yourself if you are in danger, but this was th- this was very very questionable. Um and I I'm surprised that they're going in that direction and it's I haven't seen a lot of positive reactions from it, but I don't know. It's the whole what should kids do in violent situations is actually a very controversial thing among parents because like some people raise with like, oh, you know, you know, don't hit back because if you hit back, you'll also get in trouble. And then some parents are like, if my kid's getting beat down, they should be able to, you know, beat the kid right back up. But, even, you know, that's a very divisive thing. And I work in child care and I've seen like both sides of that argument played out. But this isn't even that situation. This is you're knocking on his door and it's <laughs> pretty sure that was illegal. And Tommy Elliott was a jerk. And now, do you think maybe Alfred was acting emotionally because, like, um, like, like Bruce said, it he 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 um he sullied the his mother's name. So maybe Alfred, maybe that upset Alfred, and Alfred wasn't thinking with a full deck. Is that possible? Yeah, but Alfred, I, I think Alfred would get upset, but he was not there at that moment when it was said. So I think he's still somewhat detached from the whole situation. So he's like, take, he's just taking the side of Bruce. Right now, I feel, and and whatever way he can reach Bruce is going to be something that's a a good and a positive win. And in this case, it was not a good way to reach Bruce. If I had to sum up Alfred on the show in one word, it would be enabler. Because he he is a big-time enabler. And hopefully, you know, a different episode, a different writer will show another side of him. But... I don't like this, and I don't like this direction that they're going. And if this is revisited in another episode and the show treats it as, yeah, this was a mistake, then I might feel differently. But mm-hmm. right now, if the if the message of the show is like, you know, what was done was right, it's uh, – I, I don't quite like that. I mean I, I have complained about Alfred from the beginning. I just don't see him as being – Right. The, the Alfred we see. And and I understand, like, they're going with the – this is the first time he's Earth cared one. for kids. Yeah. But I I don't know. I feel like he should have more of a parental instinct than he does. He was, he was acting more like Bullock than Gordon, you know, Bruce in yeah. this episode. Because, like, Gordon wouldn't just burst in there and beat people up. Um. So on the subject of overreactions and everything else, we had our first uh, meeting – since the pilot. No, not since the pilot, because they saw each other last episode, but a reunion of sorts between Fish Mooney and her former umbrella holder, Oswald oh. Cobblepot. Yeah, it, it was, was a very, very touching moment. It was, it was precious. He gave her a gift. He what did. do you think he did? What do you think he did to that woman who had the brooch? You think she's dead? Threatened her? When he ever he says please, it's it's uh <laughs> it's a little scary. I don't know. Remember that guy with the shoes from uh this this third oh, episode? Oh true. But that was in day. That was at night. But the the one with the lady was in daylight. <laughs> yeah, I, I I worry for her safety. Maybe he just you know maybe she said you know what, if you want to give it to someone here it is and she walked away and she's fine. 
you know, that's one version you can imagine in your head. <laughs> uh, so he meets Fish Mooney again. And uh, what, what do we think about now that this was the scene that I did not like in the trailer because I feel like it had the same character beat as last week because it was the whole like, oh, let's pretend, you know, the like, let's play cat and mouse with each other as we're talking, pretending that everything's okay. Then Fish, you know, gets mad and physically assaults him. Like, it's it, the same character moment, the same, you know, pacing and beat as last week. So I wasn't crazy about that scene, honestly, truth be told. It is interesting to see them together now that the power shift has happened. And, I mean, I'm guessing that, you know, why send Penguin there than negotiate terms with Fish? But I'm guessing that Penguin probably volunteered for the job because oh. he kind of wanted to rub Fish's face yeah. in it. What do you um, think of their little moment together? I, when you say I, – uh, before you said that, you said, what do we think about this? Like you're Venom and you have an alternate pe- uh, personality. <laughs> I say <laughs> we and I mean like you and I. I like, know. I know. Uh, what do I think about this? I knew the stabbing was going to happen right right away when he gave her that gift and she's picking out this. And it was in the trailer. Part. Oh, maybe. But anyways, I was like, well, he's going to get stabbed. I loved that he didn't cry or show any pain because, you know, when, when he gets beat down in that first episode, like he is crying out and everything. So I think it shows how much he has progressed and just a, a different character. I think it's you can feel how tense that is, and and I thought that the, the entire interaction between the two of them, and I think that that is just so well done, that it's just so believable. Obviously, that um, you know on his side, I think he's just being really cocky and like ha ha ha, look what happened. Your your plan has has messed up and then on her side just hating him so much and wishing that he were dead and and there being no way around it and and I just think. The interaction was great. It was great. And we get a possible origin story for Fish Mooney. With her mom. And it's Helena Bertinelli's origin. That... Did you notice that? No. Yeah, That's Helena Bertinelli's origin. Oh, that's true. That, yeah. So maybe Fish is going to become Huntress? Um, that'd be strange. You know when that old lady was up there singing? Uh, I was like, you know what? I wonder if that's Fish's mom, because I just thought, what other old lady is going to be up there? And Fish is okay with her being up there and singing and everything. And then, uh, uh yeah, but that's a fake origin story. Did, does she say that? Does she say that it's her mom when they go? Because I, I kind of thought that, like, by their conversation, maybe it was. And I think yeah. she even says, "Go on home." Yeah, but she like, say that, yeah. I, I think what? it's only implied just because she's yeah. up there and she said, I heard you telling stories. So I think actually that the origin was a lie. It's a killing joke origin. Yeah. And so the mother obviously would know it was a lie because it was her. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, and I think that, you know, there was a reason why they had an older African-American woman up there as uh-huh. opposed to, you know, like someone of a different race or gender or age. Uh-huh. Like. So I think that, you know, visually, that is to, like, kind of clue the audience in that maybe there's more of what Fish is saying. And she is a mastermind. Yeah. Um, and her little weapon, Liza. Um, I I don't know about Liza. Like, why is she getting soft for Falcone? Because he's being nice to her. But she knows what he can do and everything. And, like, she yeah. saw him, like, kidnap Barbara Keene and... Mr. Zaz and everything last week. And this is this is the same woman who, you know, was willing to, like... Did she kill her competition when they had that, like, interview together in the alley? Uh, well, they had a fight. I don't know if she died. But yeah, she was certainly I mean, incapacitated. So it's it's not like we're dealing with, you know, a Sunday school teacher here. Oh, you know, this, this is, um... This ain't your mother's Sunday school. Um, I think that with all things, when you're undercover, deep undercover to a certain extent, you almost have some sympathy. I think I feel like you, even the hardest person, is able to to gain some sympathies, you know, for the people uh, with whom they are working, even though they're trying to take them down. And and I just. <sighs> I mean, it's not like she's this trained hardcore killer um, that it'd be harder to, to breach us. But, you know, she's this lady who knows what her backstory is and, and what her family life is. But she's here. She's scared. 
And then Falcone is just nice to her as far uh, maybe a little creepy, but as far mm-hmm. as you know, we can tell. And and I don't know. I, I think she's both scared, which is what she said, and perhaps um, maybe she is starting to like him a little bit. <laughs> that that does creep me out if she's starting to like fall for him. Um, I mean, I guess we we Why thought that maybe. The age difference and oh, just okay. like the whole relationship in general. But you're okay with Sarah Essen and Jim Gordon. Oh, come on. That is yeah. not even comparable. Uh, first of all, uh, 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 first of all, like yeah. Falcone's old enough to be her father, possibly okay. even grandfather. Uh-huh. And plus he's like she's, – she's emulating his dead mother. So that's okay. creepy enough as it is. Yeah. Gordon and Essen – Bates. Have twenty years apart at the oh, most. Oh come on, you could be a father at the most. There. Come on, she's middle at the age. most. Give me and a break. In the comics, they were married and they had a. Yeah, you but know, this is in the comics. Clearly, it's not. Um, so we we would talk about Penguin who kidnapped um his replacement, and actually that does go back to Liza because now Penguin knows that there's someone in Falcone's camp because we were kind of wondering last week. You know, right. does Penguin exactly. know about Liza? Even though uh-huh. she came after he did. Yeah. Like, so. And we got more Penguin and Mama Penguin scenes, which actually leads me to believe, okay, they're showing her a lot and showing them together a lot. She's definitely going to die. I also think that something bad's going to happen, and that's really going to push them over the edge. Uh, but that's certainly a way. I think everything's going to escalate. I do think that this was foolish for Penguin to kill um, Fish's... I was going to say number two, but it's really not. But Fish's new penguin, because it's clear who would have done that, I think. I mean, shortly after he meets him, like, that is, it seems a little. And it's and it's almost as if she, like, was, like, putting him out there as bait. Yeah. Like, she's like, yeah. oh, this is your replacement, and, like, says his name, like, making sure that Oswald knew who he was. Yep. But, I mean, uh-huh. yeah, it's almost like eye for an eye to a certain, like, he got hurt through the hand. It escalates now, and, and he takes one of her people, and it's going to escalate again. So I think she's going to be the, in the uh, – Penguin's mother is going to be in the line of fire, and it's probably going to be um, by fish. Mm-hmm. And another person who had I, – I swear, there must be some kind of like you know clause in her contract that she only appears for like 40 seconds per episode. But Selena Kyle's back, and um, she's in custody again. I I don't have much to say about her scenes other than, I mean, yeah, she was caught, but I mean, it's it's just another short scene that's divorced from the rest of the episode. Yeah, and like you know, those last these last few times where like she sneaks into the Wayne Manor, shows up or something, but I mean, it's almost like the cliffhanger from um, uh, the second episode now, where like mm-hmm. she, here she is again with Gordon in the police station, you know, when they're about to have a talk. Yep. Um, hopefully she'll tell him more about the murders because supposedly she had a lot to say, um, but we never found out what it was other than I can see in the dark. Mm-hmm. But do you have anything to say about Selena Kyle and her yeah. two scenes this episode? She's gotten, well, number one, I I mean, did you really think she was not going to get noticed pulling fur coats up out of the sewer? Uh, so that was a little weird. I don't know. If That's where the purpose. turtles crossover is going to happen. Yep, 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 yep. Um, Domino's delivers. I think. Uh, I don't know if she was trying to get caught. That seems a little strange. But there's. That's a little strange. I think. Uh, just maybe she got lost. And I don't think she was. looked like she wanted to get caught. Okay. Well, she better make a map or something, or ask Killer Croc how to get around the sewers into no. a better place. I know, right? Um, he's probably like a little. Killer Croc is like a little uh, um, iguana-sized croc right now. Um, she is. You know he's not an actual crocodile. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he's a human who has like a skin condition. He's got a major skin condition. Yeah. And right now he's an iguana. Um, no. Yeah. You don't grow up from an iguana to a human. It's called evolution. I'm pretty sure that's not how evolution works. <laughs> He's got to get to the mic. Don't you read Spider-Man? Oh. Um, it's called Shed, people. Look it up. No! Um, here's the thing. <laughs> Billy Connors. <laughs> oh, gosh. R.I.P. Um, oh, okay. Finally, back on topic. Uh, she is the old penguin when... 
Penguin was somewhat boring and only said the same thing over again. There's a war coming to Gotham because now she just pops up and and her I don't know her shtick is just I know who the killer is and she meets Jim Gordon and that's her only connection. But it looks like in the next episode that she actually may meet Bruce Wayne. I actually talk to him, not skulk around. Or maybe he, they just stare at each other and she runs away, whooping yeah. like Zoidberg. Whoop, whoop, whoop. But I don't really know what – I mean, what can you do with her? It, it's not like Bruce Wayne where we can see this. I mean, what can we really do with this character? Um, Sky's the limit, I guess. I mean, she's already a cat burglar now, so maybe she'll meet Holly and punch Stan. Um, he is way younger than her. That doesn't work out. You like need to get over your age issues. They care about that on this show. I mean, good lord. You know what? I don't appreciate your sass. So that was The Mask. Next week's episode is called Harvey Dent, and Stella has the description for that. Would you believe Harvey Dent's younger brother? <gasps> Henry James Dent? Yes. Selena leads a new friend on a perilous journey through Gotham to evade the assassins on her trail. Following a misstep, Gordon is reassigned to duty at Arkham Asylum in the all-new Harvey Dent episode of Gotham, airing Monday, November 17th, on Fox. And we've both seen that trailer, right? Um, no. Because it occurred you, after Sleepy Hollow, and I didn't watch Sleepy Hollow. Oh, I don't mean like the, the Sleepy Hollow trail, but I mean uh, like the, the little 30-second yeah, thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so I guess he's Selena's young friend, judging by that, is Bruce. So. I think so. He's swimming in his little pool. I'm actually a little more excited for next week than I was for this week because this week I was like, oh, business as usual. But it looks like from this that like you know some stuff is going to be happening. We'll be getting some Selena Bruce action. Um, to clarify. I mean, like they're finally going to meet. Like they, you know, she's just been yeah. stalking uh-huh. him. You know, well, I didn't so, want you. It sounded risque. It doesn't have to be risque. Somebody somebody posted on Twitter after watching the pilot for Gotham saying, I'm really upset that they're sexualizing a 14-year-old girl. And I was did like, what? I missed it. That didn't happen. That's why I thought that it was odd that someone posted that. I don't feel like Selena Kyle has been sexualized at all. So some Selena Bruce action and Harvey Dent's already flipping his coin, I guess. Um, so we're going along with that. I hope not. Did you really see him flip a coin? I thought I saw him flip a coin in the trailer. How do you uh, think – do you – in the comics, are they about the equal equal age, Jim and, and Dent and Harvey? Um, it depends on the continuity, I would guess. Huh? But like in the current like continuity, he's kind of been a contemporary of Bruce Wayne. That's what I thought, yeah. Like and you know, and they've kind of been friends and uh-huh. even in – but there's so many different continuities and stuff. Like it's, I've said this before, but I would prefer for everyone to be the same age. I'm not the same age, but I, I would prefer that not everyone, you know, already be older than Bruce. That Bruce would have some contemporaries. Do you think, as comic readers, we just need to get over a lot of the stuff and and really just keep this as separate, separated in our minds, and just leave the comics to the comics and leave this to this, kind of like Walking Dead. I feel like because of stuff like Smallville and Walking Dead, I've gotten better at that than I would have like 10 or 15 years ago. But at the same time, too, like you have to have – you can't depart too much from it. Like, for example, if the killers are not Joe Chill, I'm not going to be super bothered by it. If – you know, and Gordon and Essen are different ages, I'm not bothered by it. Like I can deal with the changes, but if you do something radical like – you know, Don and I were playing a game through text, like, you know, or I, I think you were even there, too. You might have been on the phone where um, at the end of last episode, we're like, you know, things that shouldn't happen on this show. And I, and I think I threw out, like, Damian Wayne being introduced before Bruce becomes Batman. Like, there's just certain things that would be too far. And that would be eh. – the age differences are a little thing. But eventually, like, the little things add up. I don't know. Do you think we should get over them? I So you don't think – in the next couple episodes, we should see like a scientist walking by with a test tube, and on the test tube, there is a little piece of masking tape, and on the piece of masking tape is the name Damien. I don't like that origin for him. <laughs> I, I, I I hated the whole retcon that he was like a science test tube baby. Uh huh. 
but uh, yeah, that's my, it, it, that's it's my hang up. <laughs> it's it's hard. I because I like I think in this episode I've I've asked several times about you know the comics and and I related to it to Hush and everything. Walking Dead doesn't bother me because I don't really read that comic. I read the first omnibus, um, but. Other than that, I haven't read it, so I just kind of go along. Game of Thrones bothers me, but I'm actually trying to get over it little by little. So maybe it's just me, like, really wanting this to connect to the comics, and I need to make a conscious effort to, like, separate and be like, they're they're keeping to the spirit of the comics, but they're going their own route, and so I need to, you know, treat this and, and what I'm reading in two different categories. So with that, um, be sure to watch Harvey Dent next week. And this is Josh. And this is Josh. <gasps> Two Joshes. <laughs> and you've been listening to the Gotham Chronicle podcast. any further i did just realize are you recording oh yeah okay excellent are you also recording no i can't because of oh, my so it's uh, just me it's just you he's gonna go meet up with dustin <gasps> that would be the old dustin's already married um no this is a, oh this, well, this, is, this, this is a prequel maybe she becomes uh dustin's wife maybe we all have that moment, you know, where, like, yeah. we we go to someone who's bad for us just because, like, we need to, I don't know, this is getting a little worse. <laughs> it is getting personal. I was like, oh, this doesn't necessarily relate to me, but it's not like. Oh, come on. Never mind. I go to someone uh, bad? What person? Oh, you think it's. No! Oh, <laughs> oh my God. It wasn't. Well, we can't spoil that. No, and, and I prompt. Well, first of all, it's a season finale, and second of all, um, I I told Lady Mary. Um, I don't know if you saw that. Comment. I love what she said. She says, "I never thought that I would say this about a Batman Universe .net podcast." Please stop spoiling Downton Abbey for me. That's because the majority of people are like manly men that do this. I was shifting my seat, sorry. <laughs> um, oh, goodness. Uh, this makes sense that it's that. I'm going to have to stop every time you, you shift. Your I just had to get up and, and I, I had to stand up and then I had to sit back down. I was putting something away. That's fine, that's fine. Um, Revenge of that dog. Um, Dustin so- does not like you talking about Lost. Oh, he doesn't like us talking about Downton Abbey either. Yeah, I don't so. think he cares either way. <laughs> so Lost is, is not okay, but Downton Abbey, he's indifferent to. Well, yeah, he hasn't said anything about it, has he? Um, he mentioned something in one of the comment sections, but it was like, it was very, very <laughs> in jest. Like, I have a, he says, like, I have a feeling that this Downton Abbey thing will become like a running thing as a podcast. And then when, when he was supposed to be on this week, if we would have recorded last night, but I had, I had a work shift that I couldn't yeah. turn down. But um, he, he wants to come on next week, FYI. Um, which is actually good because I think next week is the mid-season finale. But anyway, um, um, what was I going to say? Oh yeah, I said to him like, be sure to watch Downton Abbey oh, yeah. in preparation, and he emailed me back. Not going to happen. Do you think of the three sisters, if Sybil were still alive, which of them would Dustin probably date? I'm thinking. Um, <laughs> Dustin needs someone very, very disciplined and by the book. Um, I think Lady Mary is too much of a wild card for Dustin. Yeah. And Sybil is also very revolutionary. And, and Lady Mary's like an acquired taste. Now, Edith. You're going to put him with Edith. I don't know if he would go for the three. Like, because I'm, I'm thinking, like, of the three of them, like, whose personality. Because Edith is a little. I don't want to say damaged, but. She's a middle child, so it's well, and she, she, she has issues. Yeah. Like, but you know, Edith was with that older serious guy who left her at the altar and made me cry. Yeah. Uh, so maybe, maybe Edith. Okay. But then Dustin will have to go to church. I'm still very excited about Michael Gregson. Yeah. I I really am. 
Um, and I'm sad that he never knew about his daughter and yeah. he's never going to get to meet her. Maybe if they ever go into World War II, we'll find out that he became a Nazi. And then my heart will be broken again. But, oh. Why does this happen? Because because you and I are you and I. <laughs> I feel bad for listeners. Well, some of, the, some of this is going to be edited, and I'm going to have yeah. to bleep out, like, the fact that because... You know, oh, that, yeah. that, that's that's kind of a spoiler. Um, but we were talking about Penguin and the Brooch, so... Don't die. <laughs> Still need you. <laughs> no! For the last 15 minutes, that'd be funny. Um, <laughs> well, Stella's dead, so now I'm going to continue the show on my own. Oh, uh, let's see here. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, clearly. Thank you for using that adverb. And you yeah. know what? Billy and Trini never did. Excuse so. me. They dated. You need to get over whatever Yes, they dated. You need to when? check your facts. They show dated. Me. What? Show, show me the episode where they date. <laughs> show me the episode that proves they didn't date. What is every episode where they're not dating? No, no, no. They dated. You're not going to pull that, like... That, that argument where you say, show me, show me where it didn't happen. The burden of proof is on you. The burden of proof is... That'd be like, show, show me the episode that proves that Zordon and Alpha weren't married. They weren't. But anyway, show me. they were as dating as much as Tommy and... Uh, Tommy and Kimberly actually kissed. Yeah. And you actually saw them go out on dates. That's, but that's you different. saw a little hand-holding action with that one in the I did see a screen cap, yeah. 